dispatch. Packets of fire all around. Dear Chief, much has happened since we last spoke. Welcome to Dear Chief Podcast, where your hosts and their guests share the 411 of being married to the people who respond to 911s. Take a peek into fire family life and get unabashed advice on how to prevent forest fires in your marriage. Now, here's your hosts, two seasoned firewives, Audra and Chelsea. We have Tracy here with us today from First Responder Therapy Dogs. Welcome, Tracy. Hi. How are you, Audra and Chelsea? So good to have you. Um, so Tracy is a mom of two, full-time high school guidance counselor, therapy dog trainer to the dog Sparky, and also a firewife from South Shore. <laughs> you got it. Yes, you got it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I won't tell you about my state <laughs> map situation lately. All right. <laughs> I digress. So Sparky and you are certified as first responder therapy dog team through first responder therapy dogs, a national nonprofit. And you've been there since August of 2021 and done almost 200 visits since being certified. Visits include fire department, police departments, dispatch locations, and EMS facilities. Tracy and Sparky were the first East Coast team to be certified and the first team in Massachusetts and have watched the group evolve and grow exponentially. It's awesome. Thank you. It is awesome. Okay. So first off, let's hear a little bit about you. And sure. then I want you to tell us about the program. You got it. So, you know, I've obviously been a high school guidance counselor for the last 17 years. So that's that's my career of choice. And before that, I worked in mental health. So mental health has always been an interesting caveat to my job along the way. My husband, when we got married, he was just kind of, honestly, we weren't sure what he was going to do. So we kind of navigated what, what he was going to do in terms of a career path. And he landed in fire right when we got married. And it was one of those things that was a perfect fit for him. I think it's a good fit for me as well. I think it takes a special person as you both know, to kind of navigate that dynamic. And he's been doing that ever since for the last 10 plus years. So obviously, we added two kids and a dog and some bunnies to the mix along the way. But it's been it's been quite a journey in terms of just getting acclimated to that type of lifestyle on some level. The sparky side of things kind of has been a wonderful kind of COVID caveat, I guess I'll say. I've always wanted to train a therapy dog. It's something that I have talked about for a while, well before I even got sparky. And I was just praying, to be honest with you, that she was a good fit for something in that field. Because obviously the dog has to be the right dog for it too. And so as we went through the training, it took us about two years and it's a lot of general obedience stuff. To be honest, at that point, my husband honestly didn't really understand what, what I was training. So I would leave, you know, once a week to my classes and he'd be like, so you, did she pass? And I'm like, no, not yet. And, we, you know, we kind of go through that and he'd be like, so what exactly are we doing with this? And I'm like, just he, let it roll. Like, we're going to let it roll. And, you know, we kind of, I kind of did some practice runs at nursing homes and I thought about maybe bringing her to school with me and things like that. You know, it's one of those things you're, you're volunteering your time and you're, taking time away from your family and you're taking time away from things that, you know, probably have a level of importance for your own world. So you do want to find something that 
is a good fit for not only you and the dog, but your family as well. And it can be something that we kind of all see together as a vision. So I happened to stumble across Heidi and first responder therapy dogs. And at the time, they were really based out with you guys. And they hadn't actually certified a dog outside of kind of the group that they had known. So I had kind of gone back and forth and we weren't quite there yet. And then in between that, my husband had a couple of really difficult medical calls at the firehouse. And they were ones that I think very much caught him off guard. So I think as anyone can understand in that field, you know, they're used to a certain type of trauma on some level, every shift that they work, but there's just certain ones that hit differently. And sometimes I think it's the not knowing it's going to hit you differently is what actually causes the ripple effect on some level. So as that was kind of taking place and we were navigating that, I had kind of worked on getting him some supports for that, which I think is harder to figure out, you know, than you would hope. And then while that was kind of happening, I got into contact back again with first responder therapy dogs. And it just was a niche that I feel like was meant to to be on some level. So right around the time that we were actually in a position where we could qualify through that group, she started, you know, allowing outside groups to certify. So we were the first ones to go through the actual certification process. I think we were about the 12th team that certified in August of 2021. So since that point, they're up to almost 50 teams in almost 13 different states. So it's, it's really grown so wonderfully. And it's a niche of people and it's a niche of people who kind of work with their dogs that it's just a really special group of people because a lot of the people that work for first responder or I shouldn't say work volunteer their time for first responder therapy dogs are either first responders themselves or spouses or connected to the population in some capacity and I honestly think that one of the reasons why it is something that not a lot of people think about is because it does take the people I think that are in those people's immediate world to really understand and see the relevance and see the importance and see kind of how it comes together as an added support for for that community of people. So that's kind of in a nutshell how we ended where we ended, but it's been something that has really kind of, especially during COVID and especially during some kind of low times, I'd say, it's really given us as a family some things to focus on that are really positive and, you know, bringing her home after we visit somewhere and everyone, you know, how'd she do? You know, there's always stories that kind of go into it. And I really think it's actually given us all a, a little bit of a talking point that's just been so positive that it's been way bigger than just simply going and bringing a therapy dog to a visit, you know? Right. And so for those of us that don't know what kind of dog she is, who's Sparky? Oh, so Sparky is a a ball of life. That's for sure. So she is a three-year-old Australian Labradoodle. She's the daughter that I never thought I needed. In all honesty, I never thought I needed a daughter. And I honestly don't think I need a daughter, but I needed a furry Sparky. That's what I needed. And she just honestly is a nut. She's a nut in a very good way. She has a lot of energy. She's got a big mouth like her mother, (laughs) in all all honesty. She has a lot of life. She's got a lot of wiggles. But when she puts on that vest, there is something very special that happens with her. If you saw her in our house, you'd sit there and you'd go, I don't know what she does because there's nothing good that comes from this. I mean, she's like a nut half the time. She's running. She's barking. She's chasing. She's being a typical three-year-old doodle. That's what she's doing. But we have our routine. And when she gets in that car and she knows we're going somewhere and she puts on the vest, she knows she's working. And it's a it's a magical thing to actually witness because I actually have people say to me all the time, she's so quiet. And I go, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> like, you have no idea. <laughs> So talk to us a little bit about the certification process, because I know a lot of our listeners don't know what that would even entail, but also how you you went from 
energetic three-year-old Sparky to working Sparky when she puts on a vest? Yep. So that's a great question. And obviously every therapy dog group has slightly different certifications where first responder therapy dogs is more of a national based group. They do use some more common measurements in terms of dog behavior. So first and foremost, the dogs have to pass what's called the canine good citizenship test, which is a 10 point test that they have to do with no treats. And that's done through wherever they train. So we did that locally in our area. But it's kind of like the SATs, I guess I'll say, for for, for dogs. Um, you know, it's kind of a standardized way for people to know kind of their strengths, where they where they need to work on, things of that nature. From there, once they do that, there's some additional step that you take in terms of making sure they're comfortable from an exposure standpoint. So obviously, they need to be comfortable around sounds and different kinds of people. And really, the, a lot of that is just bringing them out and getting them used to outside environments. So for us, we did a lot at fire stations. We did a lot at ambulance. And honestly, it was a matter of me calling up and saying, you know, I have a dog. This is what we're trying to do with her. Do you mind if I bring her by? And most places never say no to the dog, to be honest with you. So it was a lot of that type of stuff. And then from an adult, like from a person perspective, we have to take some online classes as well and get, so depending upon where the dog is and dogs can certify at any age, there's no breed specification. So the beauty of it is she had to work through a lot of kind of the, that common adolescence stuff that happens when you get a puppy and you start from puppyhood. For some of the dogs that are a little bit older, they are already kind of past that general behavior stuff. So for them, it's more just the exposure side of it and getting kind of that obedience piece down. So for Sparky, it's taken a lot of practice. And I think it's also taken, you know, I'm going to say my guidance background to get to know her very well, because the now the, the more visits we've done together, I think I I know what she's going to do when she's going to do it before she tends to do it. You know, I'll give you an example. So she loves a good aggressive ear rub. I mean, who doesn't? So she, that is what she wants. She wants it. She's got floppy ears. She loves a good aggressive ear rub. And every now and then we'll come across somebody that's a little tentative and kind of says, you know, I'm not sure about the aggressive ear rub. And I can see what she's going to do. And she gets a little bossy and she tells them, you know, I want my ear rub and like give, give me my ear rub now. So I have to interpret oftentimes and say to the person, like, you don't want to give the ear rub, please feel free to not, but I'm going to just move her out of the way so that someone else can give it to her because that is in fact what she wants right now. (laughs) So I always joke around years one and two were obedience and year three is like ego management. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. Because they know, you know, like most people, oh, she want, knows. Most people want to give that aggressive yep. ear rub because who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to come up and give a good ear rub to a floppy-eared dog? Oh, and she, and they love it. You know, they get under the vet. You know, the whole the whole gamut. So she's like ready for that full body experience. And when someone isn't necessarily ready to give it to her, she's like, "Where is you know? What are we doing here? Well, what's wrong with you? Come on, guys. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> you didn't understand the assignment." Yes, no, they did not understand the assignment. Yes. So now I'm able to kind of like hedge it, you know, edge it off and say like, okay, so this is what she's going to do. She's going to tell you where to go stuff it right now. And we're going to walk away and we're going to pretend this didn't ever happen. And we're going to go to somebody who really wants to get in there. (laughs) In your family, like what, I know it's your family dog and you kind of, you volunteer it out to other fire stations, but do you think that it's been a benefit to your husband in particularly? And I guess your kids too, because 
Yeah. Well, so the thing with it is, like I said, he has never worked in a field that has seen therapy dogs in action. So, you know, I've been blessed to to see them in the mental health side of things. I've seen them come to hospital settings. I've seen them come to schools. So, you know, for me, it's it's been something that I've kind of seen how positive it can be. And just it's just something that you it's not a tangible response that oftentimes you see. It's just something that dogs or animals in general, they just have a, a certain sense about them and they're drawn to certain people for, for you don't know why, to be honest with you. And I get more responses after visits that I would never have known, but people then just want to share with you. Like, I, you don't even know how I needed that today. Or, you know, I, I just lost somebody the other day and like, I just was having a really bad shift. Or, you know, we've had people who I didn't know that she interacted with that were heading out because they were going to have cancer treatment. And honestly, I didn't know who it was. And and that was the person that she kind of decided to, to really give extra time to for whatever reason, you know, so my husband has kind of vicariously through some of the visits and the stories, you know, he'll be at the hospital for his department. And there'll be people that'll come up to him and be like, are you Sparky's dad, you know, and he like beams, I mean, he beams like, like our child has gone to Harvard. I mean, he just beams about this dog, you know, and it's so nice to see because it's something that that he and I kind of have connected with too, which I think is so important. And again, you know, everyone's moving and grooving, especially with kids. And, you know, oftentimes you like forget to have those conversations of just like, how was your day? And and the dog honestly forces a lot of those conversations for us because, you know, it is purposeful. And I say, okay, like we have these visits lined up, like this is what we're going to do. And he's like, go for it you know, enjoy. And the kids have really gotten a chance to see her too. Um, So I don't bring any of my family on the visits, honestly, because usually they're home and they're doing other things. But when we've, we've gotten a chance to do some bigger events at like the TD Garden where the Bruins play and where the Red Sox play and things like that, that have been first responder driven events. And they've come with us and, you know, they've helped me set up the table and they've, and they've watched her in action and they've gotten a chance to be part of that kind of stuff. And as they get older, I would love to see them play a little bit of a, a more of a role in it if they choose to but it's something that like I said we've always talked about finding little things and little ways to give back to people and I think again it's always trying to find that thing that actually is a connection that you want to do you know and that it makes you feel good about yourself and also just you're able to help people that for whatever reason you're connected to and like I said I couldn't think of a better population of people especially with you know my my father was a volunteer firefighter for years and years and years and obviously not knowing um, that my husband was going to end up in that direction too. It was one of those things that just made sense and it's made sense ever since to be on to be honest, you know. So at home, who's her person? Is it you <laughs> or is it your husband? Cuz I got to know. It depends. It depends if there's food involved. He's, oh, well, he's yeah. a weak link. He has a weak link. I mean, he she looks into his soul. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would say that it depends on the circumstance. He's the late, the the late owl. So, he, you know, I tend to go to bed early. So like he'll stay, you know, up longer and she tends to gravitate to him from the hours of like 8, 8 p.m. to like 11 p.m. Because like those are their, that that's their cherished time, you know, during the day. During the, the regular day, though, I would say probably me because to be honest, she knows we're typically going somewhere, which she gets very, like she sees the best and she is like raring to go. Like she's yeah. ready She's at attention. We get right in the car. Like we have, we listen to country music on the way. Like we have our whole routine. And I think she truly loves every aspect of that piece of it. And then obviously 
to be honest, most of the time it's the kids that are her favorite because she likes to romp around. But, you know, we all have our special niche with Sparky as well because she, I think she services all of us in a little bit of a different way, you know? Right. We have a yellow lab and he was supposed to be my dog. My husband bought him for me for <laughs> Mother's Day. And uh, we have this joke that was four years ago. And I'm like, so you still owe me a Mother's Day present because this dog <laughs> has been his dog since the moment we got it. <laughs> oh, and that's and how I like, know the labs love the aggressive. Oh, yeah. Era, man, they he's do. all about that in the mornings, man. If you don't give that to him, he's... He's like, don't talk to me for the rest of the day. That they love their chow. I, I, I joke all the time. I go, she'd get into anyone's car with a biscuit. Like she would get, yep. there would be no allegiance if you're holding on some sort of bacon-like, you know, a, a treat anything, of any kind. Anything. Yep. Max's favorite snack is broccoli. Oh, yeah. So literally, he'll follow anyone into anywhere with broccoli. <laughs> oh, I say all the time when we go on visits, because she wears kind of a, a head harness. It's just like a loose lead. Um, and they'll say, oh, you can like let go. Like, it's no big deal. And I go, oh, no, that's not for you. It's for her because she <laughs> will eat anything like I and very quickly. Like I pulled out like nothing like pre, like during COVID pulling out someone's like chewed gum out of a dog's mouth. I'm like, I don't need to be doing this. Like we, uh. we're just going to wear the leash gonna wear the leash and that's what we're gonna, we're gonna yeah do. Oh my it's for her safety not yours don't worry yes, it's for her safety not yours sparky sparky don't eat gum oh sparky don't eat anything labs she like will scrape it right off the ground i feel like watch her oh she loves it it's funny because i have a small dog i have a boston terrier so he's yeah. like no i don't want that um i'll take the cheddar cheese please thank you like yeah no oh they broccoli. all have devices and food is definitely like that's the lab in her that you'll never get rid of is they will she will she would eat herself to death if i let her right <laughs> yeah they they would yeah they really they would, would. <laughs> yeah. to be honest which made passing the 10 point test with no treats that was actually our hardest part when i ever had her Sparky, you actually have to sit and i can't give you anything for it and she was like what come again but then I'm like i'm not doing that well. all the treats right after the <laughs> test was over yeah i swear there was a moment i was like i'm gonna just roll in peanut butter oil nobody will see it i'm just gonna like roll my fingers in it so that she'll still do something for like a good lick on my fingers but like i, I can't let anyone know this is what i've done <laughs> Oh my gosh, that is too funny. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like Sparky is just like a joy. I swear, I want to meet. It's so interesting too, because like that, you know, all the groups I've gotten to know, obviously, you know, not in person, a lot of them, um, I would love to be able to meet some of them in person, but seeing the different, you know, and I'll say from the West Coast, even to the East Coast, obviously from a West Coast side of things, you know, they have the wildfires and the base camps that they visit and, you know, they're able to see thousands of first responders in just a morning. I actually met one of them on the West Coast. Oh, did you? I can't remember his name. Kareth? Kareth? What a love. A love. An absolute no. love. Well, and Kareth kind of started the whole thing. I mean, so mm -hmm. Kareth started as a guide dog in training. And a lot of the dogs that go into that kind of field, they have to be, They obviously, it's a very regimented and rigorous kind of training process. And Kareth was actually too friendly. So a lot of the dogs that kind of get reassigned out of that group, Heidi was able to, that's Heidi Carmen who started the group. She was able to adopt Kara and Kara just loved firefighters. Like that is how the whole kind of story started. And it's funny. It, well, it's not funny actually, but it's interesting um, from the perspective of some of the stories that they tell us and just in the sense of, you know, they get more 
correspondence from wives, spouses, kids, firefighters in different, you know, different base camps. And they're like, you know, thank you so much for posting the picture like of so-and-so. And it's so ha- we're so happy to see that they're able to see the dogs and things of that nature. Obviously, on the East Coast, the need is very different. You know, so every group kind of has found their niche within their individual communities. And again, you know, it's a lot of medical and it's a lot of stuff that I don't think most people realize when they, when you say firemen, you know, my, my husband's a firefighter, you know, 90% of the calls in this area are much more medically based, you know, and they're not as fire driven. Now, not to say he doesn't have any, but it's definitely not as common as, you know, uh, auto accidents and, you know, things that, that are just kind of not necessarily what you think when you say like my husband's a firefighter you know same with police too and and dispatch and all those people like the 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 level of trauma that they see every single day and witness every single day and for most of the time it doesn't phase them all that much except for you know again the the calls that i've gotten called to in the sense of a department reaching out and asking for us to come it's kind of like that surprise factor so you know and i'll say that again from my husband's perspective the calls that have been the hardest for him to kind of get past and work through are calls that hit him on a level that he just wasn't anticipating when he walked in wherever he was walking in. So for whatever reason, he knew the person, there were kids involved, whatever it is, you know, some certain things just hit differently and you don't necessarily know that they're going to hit differently. And I think that level of surprise is kind of what causes the the trauma on the, on the backside, you know? Yep. Absolutely. I love Thanks. these therapy dogs. I think it's so cool. Well, and our hope is to kind of continue to expand. I mean, again, we're up to five teams in Massachusetts. I'm not exactly sure. I want to say there's about 12 teams in California, but you know, we'd love to see teams in every single state. I think that's the goal, you know, and it's interesting the the five that are now in mass, you know, again, it's been through word of mouth through, you know, the bigger functions that we've gotten a chance to go to. And we've really gotten, I've gotten to connect with other therapy dog teams that have been doing other things. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this existed, you know? Um, so it's been great to be able to, to kind of pull people too. So we have someone that obviously is a veteran that, that just certified near us. We have people that have had hospital work or have had um, kind of a history of working in hospitals, things like that. So it's just really nice to kind of see, again, specific kind of groups of people find a find a kind of a, a niche with within the therapy dog world, too, you know? Yeah, I love it. Okay, we're going to switch. We're going to put you on the hot seat for a minute. Hot seat. It's uh, 97 degrees here, so I don't know about how much hotter I can get. I'm sweating. <laughs> Dispatchers call the dispatch seat the hot seat. So the person oh. doing the dispatching yep. is in the hot seat. You're dispatching your own answers today. Okay, got it. <laughs> I'm ready. (laughs) All right. What does the word leader mean to you? Oh, so someone who obviously can be an example that first and foremost, I think someone who can actually do whatever they're leading people to do people who are also willing to do that first and foremost, and, and kind of show that character side of things. And someone that honestly has a a moral compass that's that's pointed in the right direction but also able to work with different people so you know i think a lot of people are by the book which is great and rule followers which is great but that doesn't oftentimes make a good leader i think you have to be able to kind of be in the trenches and i think you have to get dirty a little bit and i think you have to know how it felt to to work in whatever field you're working in first before you can actually be an appropriate leader and i think that's why a lot of places hire from within or build from within because that kind of building block, it's hard to pull people in from an outside perspective sometimes, you know? 
Yeah. Okay. How do you spend your free time? Oh, so I have picked up coaching and I'm going to say that really loosely um, because they needed people and I was a warm body at the time and my husband's rotating schedule always takes him off the lead coach, the head coach position. So I did pull up some spreadsheets and we, we coached baseball this past season, which was character building. Uh, <laughs> That's um, a good way to put character it. Building. It was character building. <laughs> yep. It was a lot. It was a lot. And there's a reason why I work at a high school and not seven-year-olds. That's for sure, too. But I play basketball. I still actively kind of play basketball. My sister and I have played together for years. So she just recently moved back to Massachusetts. So we play in a, a women's league, which is interesting, too. That's awesome. I pray every week that I don't get injured. We we like to glamp, and I know I said that in my bio, but glamping is most certainly different than camping. I don't ever claim to be a camper. We we have a camper, <laughs> and we we stockpile it with everything we could ever imagine, and we roll into places with amenities. But it's great. Um, we love to be outside and and do things outdoors. I have one child that's a creature catcher, so I've gotten very good at you know wrangling snakes and frogs and things that. He just hands me um, slimy no slugs. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've gotten much better at all of that. So I don't know if that's a hobby, but it's something <laughs> I've gotten good at. Um, and then I've got another one that I hope will be an engineer one day, but he likes to, like, reconfigure. So we have a lot of holiday decor. So we're that neighborhood house, which I said we would never be. We have a lot of inflatable decorations <laughs> because my that oldest son loves them. Mm-hmm. And you know, he gets them out very inappropriate times of the year. We have Halloween up in Chris, you know, up in summertime and we have Christmas immediately <laughs> after that. Um, and we have extension cords and splitters and everything else across our yard. So I, I've gotten very good at electrical work as well. So, Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have a lot of free time is what you're saying. Well, you know, we make do, but we make do. I don't think anyone with children and a job actually has much free time. I think you incorporate the fun and the free time with whatever chaos is going on in the moment. So I love that. That's so yeah. true. That's so <laughs> true. Okay. What are you currently reading or what's the last book you read? Um, so I like James Patterson. I do like like the mystery kind of murder kind of mystery kind of things. Um, what is the name of it? I just got it and I can picture the cover. Oh, it's something about someone having a whole separate life that he didn't know about, that the wife didn't know about. Really, really good stuff. I mean, it's really good stuff. Um, And then I actually like to read a lot about, like, wellness and stuff. Um, I actually, I don't know if I'd consider myself, you know, holistic per se, but I love, like, learning different, like, how food is kind of medicine and all that kind of stuff. So if I am going to read, I listen to some stuff about you know, that kind of thing and nutrition and mental wellness and things like that. So those are kind of my, when I do have time to read, which I feel like is not as much as I used to have, but like when I do have time to read, those are usually my categories. I have that. um, I just got that medical medium book. It is so thick. Oh my gosh. But it's, it's really cool. My girlfriend sent it to me. So I'm like, yeah, some of it is unbelievable. And like the whole Eastern medicine, you know, like it's just so neat. Some of the stuff that's been going on for, you know, years and years and years. um, Yeah. Some it's of it is so fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. Okay. So if you were stranded on a deserted island, what three things would you take with you? Oh, well, okay. Because to be clear, because I wouldn't be able to choose between my two children and my husband, I'm going to choose the dog. I'm going <laughs> to choose the dog. I, 
And that's just because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So I'm going to choose the Um, I would probably choose the camper too. Can I take a whole camper with me? Because it's stockpiled. It's ready to go. Um, let's see. And third, oh dear. Oh boy. I can't say one child and not the other. Because I would take them both if I had extra room. If I had extra room. Um, I would probably say my mother. I'm going to say my mother. Because... You know, I talk to her a lot too, and she's a you know a necessary resource. I'd be I'd get lonely on the island talking to myself. So I would <laughs> my mother. Okay. And I love my father too. I love my father too, but I think he'd know why. He doesn't get as chatty, you know. So my mother and I are very similar. So I'm like, I feel like he would understand that. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Last question. This is important. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Oh, dark chocolate. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent, without oh. even a doubt. Perfect. That's yep. yes, my favorite by, yep. by far. Load it up on anything. Hundred percent. I love it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, I think that wraps up. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. If you want to know more about the organization, you can check out firstrespondertherapydogs.org or on Instagram at firstrespondertherapydogs. And you can find Sparky at Barky Sparky. And if you want to hear more from us, subscribe to our podcast and and on any platform you listen to and subscribe to our website at dearchiefs.com. Thank you guys so much, both of you. Thank you. I love your podcast too, by the by. So I have to say I love the Thanks so much for tuning in. Find us on social media at Dear Chiefs Podcast and online at DearChiefs.com. Tune in weekly for the 25,000 foot view of loving a first responder. Audra and Chelsea, over and out. (laughs) 